You might expect the God of the universe to only work through winners. The strongest, the smartest, the most beautiful, the most talented, the wealthy, and the powerful. Yet all throughout scripture, we find that God most often works through very ordinary people and often the lowliest or the least expected of people. In a sermon he preached on the third Sunday of Advent in 1933, Dietrich Bonhoeffer declares, God is not ashamed of human lowliness, but goes right into the middle of it, chooses someone as instrument, and performs the miracles right there where they are least expected. God draws near to the lowly, loving the lost, the unnoticed, the unremarkable, the excluded, the powerless, and the broken. What people say is lost, God says is found. What people say is condemned, God says is saved. Where people say no, God says yes. Where people turn their eyes away in indifference and arrogance, God gazes with a love that grows warmer there than anywhere else. Where people say something is despicable, God calls it blessed. God sees who the world labels as lowly. God notices the situations that seem impossible and the people most improbable to lead. God sees the possibilities. God chooses people and works through them. God invites people to say yes to co-working with God. Today, we will focus on the character of Mary, how God called her and how Mary responded to God's call. Mary is an ordinary woman. She's young. She does not come from a wealthy family. She's pretty lowly. She's engaged to a carpenter or to a stonemason. Mary and her fiance, Joseph, they are members of what we would call the working class. They hope that Joseph will be able to do enough work and earn enough money uh, to put a roof over their heads and to provide enough food for them to eat. Mary and Joseph, they are Jewish, not Roman. They live in Nazareth, a town in the Galilee region of Israel, north of Jerusalem, and sort of halfway between the Mediterranean Sea and the Sea of Galilee. Mary seems to be minding her own business, when out of nowhere an angel appears to her. The angel speaks to her and says, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. The presence of the angel startles Mary. You see, it's not every day that an angel appears to you or speaks to you. The angel gives Mary the command to rejoice or to celebrate. Why? Because Mary is God's favored one. Mary is blessed. And the Lord God is with her. Excuse me, Mary seems to say. A woman in first century Israel under Roman occupation was not a favored or blessed position. Women did not have rights in their society. Women were often seen as the property of their husbands or fathers or brothers. Jewish women were not as highly regarded as Roman women. So Jewish women were lower on the social hierarchy. Carpenters and stonemasons, these were not esteemed professions. So being a laborer's fiance or wife 
It's not all that special. I don't know if Mary would have used the word blessed to identify herself. I don't know if she would label herself as hashtag blessed. Even if she had a healthy self-esteem, she might not use that word. And yet God sees Mary. God's messenger calls her favored one because that's how God sees her. Mary is confused. Perhaps she is questioning why she has found such favor with God. Perhaps she's questioning why an angel would appear to her. And so the angel continues with this message. Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. God chooses Mary for the monumental task of bearing God's son, the Messiah, into the world. Mary does not give the angel a bunch of excuses as to why she is not favored or why she is not up to the task God is calling her to do. She simply asks, how? How will this happen? The angel does not give her a lot of detail. <laughs> the angel does tell her that uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon her and God will overshadow her. This may seem impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. Mary concludes this angelic conversation with the incredible response, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Mary accepts God's choosing of her. Mary says yes to the call God has made on her life to become pregnant and to carry the Son of God into the world. Mary agrees to the task and accepts any hardship, scandal, or gossip that may result. Mary says yes to the impossible possibilities of God. God calls Mary favored one and chooses Mary for a world-changing task. Mary accepts God's call. We often think the divine uh, conception of Jesus and Mary's womb is the miracle of this story. But it's not the only miracle. Friends, this call and response between God and Mary, they are also miracles. God calls Mary favored one or blessed, not because Mary is all that unique, but because it is God's nature to favor and to bless God's creation. Bonhoeffer remarks, it begins with Mary herself, the carpenter's wife, as we would say, a poor working man's wife, unknown, not highly regarded by others, yet now just as she is, and remarkable and lowly in the eyes of others, regarded by God and chosen to be mother of the savior of the world. She was not chosen because of any human merit, not even for being as she undoubtedly was deeply devout, nor even for her humility or any other virtue, but entirely and uniquely because it is God's gracious will to love, to choose, to make great what is lowly and remarkable, considered to be of little value.
In the beginning, when God created, God looked around at God's creation and saw that it was all good. God looked at human beings and said that we were very good. We sinned and we turned away from God. Creation fell, as we often say. And yet God did not give up on God's creation. God continued to work through people to save the world and to show God's love for us. We've talked about many of the people and themes of the Old Testament that relay God's involvement in creation after the fall. And certainly with the birth of God's son, God is getting intimately involved with creation so that God can restore creation to God's original good intent. But perhaps we have missed a crucial detail. Even after the fall, God has continued to favor and to bless creation, including all human beings. God does not favor the people who have earned God's blessing. God does not favor the people who have done right, who have done all the right actions and said all of the right words. God's favor and blessing actually have nothing to do with human action or inaction. God is gracious and God loves to bless. Favor and blessing are intrinsic to God's nature. God showers favor and blessing upon God's creation. God calls Mary favored one, not because of anything Mary has said or done or believed. God calls Mary favored one because God loves Mary and God wants good for her. When we consider Mary's response, we often focus on her agreeing to become pregnant and to give birth to God's son. But what if accepting God's favor or blessing was just as hard for Mary to accept as the news of a pending pregnancy? What if Mary did not see herself as favored? Mary's life was hard, even before a surprise pregnancy. What if Mary could not or did not want to see God's blessings in her life? What if Mary was the type of person who struggled to allow people to do nice things for her? What if she had a hard time receiving gifts or blessings from other people? In calling Mary to carry God's son into the world, God is inviting Mary to be part of God saving the world. In essence, God is inviting Mary to join God in blessing the world, including all people, including the people that Mary may not have liked. We have heard or read several call stories so far in the This Is My Story sermon series. God calls these characters, and some of these characters hem and haw about accepting God's call. They give God or God's messenger a laundry list of excuses as to why God should not call them to divine appointments. They point out other people that God should call instead. Mary's response sticks out among the call stories we have heard. Mary acquiesces to the angel saying, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. She does not give a list of reasons as to why she will be terrible at bringing God's son into the world. She does not tell God why she is unworthy to receive God's favor. 
She does not greedily snatch a blessing from God, assuming that it's due to her. She accepts God's favor and God's call. She, in effect, surrenders herself and her life to God and to God's call on her life. She trusts God. In effect, she's saying, let this pregnancy be with me just as you have said. Let this favor, let this blessing be with me just as you have said. Years after Jesus is born and grows up, he gives a series of sermons, and we call them the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes is a list of blessings that come as part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Beatitudes, there's a listing of people who are blessed. But the funny thing about this list is that it blesses people we do not normally think of as being blessed. For instance, blessed are the hopeless, or blessed are people who grieve. You can check out a full list of these blessings in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus' sermon on blessing is an extension, an explicit expansion of the blessing his mother Mary received when the angel visited her. Jesus is the embodiment of God's blessing and favor for all people. And also, Jesus verbally shares God's blessing and favor with all who have ears to hear. It's quite radical. Nadia Bowles-Weber is a Lutheran pastor and writer. She writes about God's blessing in her book, Accidental Saints, Finding God and All the Wrong People. Hear these words. But what if the Beatitudes aren't a list of conditions we should try to meet to be blessed? What if they are not virtues we should aspire to? What if Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek, is not instructive, but performative? That the pronouncement of blessing is actually what confers the blessing itself. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount is all about Jesus's lavish blessings of the people around him on that hillside, blessing all the accidental saints in this world, especially those who that world, like ours, didn't seem to have much time for. People in pain, people who work for peace instead of profit, people who exercise mercy instead of vengeance. Maybe Jesus was simply blessing the ones around him that day who didn't otherwise receive blessing, who had come to believe that for them, blessings would never be in their cards. I mean, come on, doesn't that sound like something Jesus would do? Extravagantly throwing around blessings as though they grew on trees? I imagine Jesus standing there blessing us all because I believe that is our Lord's nature. Because after all, it was Jesus who had all the powers of the universe at his disposal, but did not consider his equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, he came to us in the most vulnerable of ways, as a powerless flesh and blood newborn. As if to say, you may hate your bodies, but I am blessing all human flesh. You may admire strength and might, but I am blessing all human weakness. You may seek power, but I am blessing all human vulnerability. God favors all of creation from the very beginning, 
God does not stop blessing creation even after the fall. God is still favoring and blessing God's creation, even you and me. God is favoring you no matter what you have done or failed to do. God is blessing you even when life is hard and there does not seem to be any blessings in sight. God calls you favored one even when you don't want to hear it. God invites you to accept God's favor and blessing, not because you are worthy to receive it, but because God loves you and God wants good for you. Could you accept God's blessing and favor just as Mary did? Could you let it be with you just as God has said? I close this message with Nadia Bowles Weber's imaginative interpretation of Matthew 5's Beatitudes. Listen to these words. Find yourself in this blessing and receive God's favor. Blessed are the agnostics. Blessed are those who doubt, those who aren't sure, who can still be surprised. Blessed are they who are spiritually impoverished and therefore not so certain about everything that they no longer take in new information. Blessed are those who have nothing to offer. Blessed are the preschoolers who cut in line. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You are of heaven and Jesus blesses you. Blessed are they for whom death is not an abstraction. Blessed are they who have buried their loved ones, for whom tears could fill an ocean. Blessed are they who have loved enough to know what loss feels like. Blessed are the mothers of the miscarried. Blessed are they who don't have the luxury of taking things for granted anymore. Blessed are they who can't fall apart because they have to keep it together for everyone else. Blessed are the motherless, the alone, the ones from whom so much has been taken. Blessed are those who still aren't over it yet. Blessed are those who mourn. You are of heaven and Jesus blesses you. Blessed are those no one else notices the kids who sit alone at middle school lunch tables, the laundry guys at the hospital, the sex workers, and the night shift street sweepers. Blessed are the losers and the babies and the parts of ourselves that are so small, the parts of ourselves that don't want to make eye contact with a world that loves only the winners. Blessed are the forgotten. Blessed are the closeted. Blessed are the unemployed, the unimpressive, the underrepresented. Blessed are the teens who have to figure out ways to hide the new cuts on their arms. Blessed are the meek. You are of heaven and Jesus blesses you. Blessed are the wrongly accused, the ones who never catch a break, the ones for whom life is hard. For Jesus chose to surround himself with people like them. Blessed are those without documentation. Blessed are the ones without lobbyists. Blessed 
are the foster kids and trophy kids and special ed kids and every other kid who just wants to feel safe and loved. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are they who know there has to be more than this because they are right. Blessed are those who make terrible business decisions for the sake of people. Blessed are the burned out social workers and the overworked teachers and the pro bono case takers. Blessed are the kind hearted NFL players and the fundraising trophy wives. Blessed are the kids who step between the bullies and the weak. Blessed are they who hear that they are forgiven. Blessed is everyone who has forgiven me when I didn't deserve it. Blessed are the merciful, for they totally get it. Amen. <laughs>